Number one. No other gods before me. Number two. No graven images. Number three. Did not take the Lord's name in vain. Number four. That's tonight. Stay with us. Welcome to our Bible study. On behalf of our senior pastor, the Reverend Paul G. Kiggins in the Master House, we're so glad that you tuned in with us tonight. We're excited about what we're going to be talking about. We have our guest host, Corey, our youth director. It's good to see you again tonight. Good to see you. And we're going to have a good time. We're looking at the fourth commandment, and we're going to be discussing that. But before we get started, let's go before the Lord in prayer, asking God's blessing over this study tonight. If you have a special prayer request, please send those to prayer at mastershouse.org, and we'll certainly take those needs before the Lord. So, Corey, if you would, ask God's blessing over this study tonight and for these special requests. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you, Master Lord, for, for bringing us in together this night, O oh Lord. Lord, for, for providing an opportunity for us to delve into your word, O oh Lord. Lord, to, to deepen our relationship, Lord, deepen our understanding, Lord, of, of your love, Lord, and all that you've done for us, dear Jesus. And we just thank you, Lord. We pray, Lord, that your spirit would be with us and with all that all that watch this oh lord and we just pray lord that your hand rest upon them that your perfect will would go forth this night your most precious and holy name of jesus we pray these things amen amen so the sabbath day uh, was the day that the israelites were to rest from their labor and focus on their relationship that they had with god god wanted the israelites to regularly spend time with him and remember that he was their ultimate provider. Yeah, so Sabbath in Hebrews is Shabbat, which is a primitive root meaning to repose or to desist from exertion. So uh, used in many implied relations, it is causative, figurative, and it means, let me, I'm, I wanna make sure I get this one right. It can also be specific. So to cause, let, make to, to cease or celebrate, to cause or make to fail, to keep, to suffer to lacking, to leave, put away, to put down, or to make to rest, to rid, still, or take away. Pretty, pretty concise. That's a lot of, that's a lot of definitions. <laughs> that's a lot of definitions. <laughs> so uh, the fourth commandment, that's what we're talking about tonight. Mm -hmm. And it's found in Exodus, the 20th chapter and the 8th verse. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days thou shalt labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, nor thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and hallowed it. So if we remember, in Genesis, the Lord spake, and everything was made. And then at the end of that sixth day, he said it was very good, and he rested. So let me, let me ask you a question. Mm -hmm. Does an all-powerful God, do you think an all-powerful God needs to take a break? No. <laughs> um, <laughs> no. Uh, God does not tire. Right. Uh, he rested on the seventh day. This was the end of his creative work and he rested and blessed it. So this has a greater purpose and it serves as an example for us. 
So there is another recording of this commandment found in Deuteronomy. This is where Moses was actually reiterating the law to the generation that actually grew up in the wilderness and were about to cross over into the promised land. Uh, it's found in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy actually means the second law or repeating the law. And so this is Moses speaking in Deuteronomy, the fifth chapter and the twelfth verse. Keep the Sabbath day to sanctify it as the Lord thy God commandeth thee. Six days thou shalt labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath day of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt do, not do any work, thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, nor thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thine ox, nor thine ass, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is in within thy gates, that thy manservant and thy maidservant may rest as well as thou. And remember that thou wast a servant in the land of Egypt, and that the Lord thy God brought thee out thence through a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm, Therefore, the Lord thy God commanded thee to keep the Sabbath day. So both of these accounts are virtually identical, but there is one difference between the two. So both list the fourth commandment, Exodus 28, saying, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Deuteronomy 5.12, Keep the Sabbath day to sanctify it, as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee. But in Exodus, Israel was to remember the Sabbath because of the example that God gave at creation. He, meaning God, rested from his labor on the seventh day. So essentially, if God rested, being God, then the Israelites should rest. So who is man to think, nah, I know God rested, but I'm going to work on this day. <laughs> well, in Deuteronomy 2, the Israelites were told to spend their time on the Sabbath, thinking about the deliverance out of Egypt. And so by resting on the Sabbath, the Israelites could then focus their minds and remember where God had brought them from. It's also important for them and for us today to focus on the inability that we have to deliver ourselves. Uh, God's the one who delivers us. And so no matter how hard we work, no matter how hard the Israelites worked, uh, the Israelites didn't work hard enough to get themselves out of Egypt. Neither can we work so hard that we deliver our own selves out of spiritual bondage. And to even then further drive home that it is reliance upon God and not themselves that provides for them, the land that was being worked by man was also to be given a rest. So Leviticus 25, 1 through 5 says, and the Lord spake unto Moses in Mount Sinai, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When ye come into the land which I give you, then shall the land keep a Sabbath unto the Lord. Six years thou shalt sow thy field, and six years thou shalt prune thy vineyard, and gather in the fruit thereof. But in the seventh year shall be a Sabbath of rest unto the land, a Sabbath for the Lord. Thou shalt neither sow thy field nor prune thy vineyard. That which groweth of its own accord, of thy harvest thou shalt not reap. Neither gather the grapes of thy vine undressed, for it is a year of rest unto the land. So now you have to extend your faith past not working on the seventh day. Now the children of Israel learned through the wilderness that they had to gather manna every morning, and on the morning of the sixth day they had to gather twice as much so that they had enough for the seventh day because they weren't supposed to go out on the uh, seventh day to gather any, but... Even if something grows in the fields of that seventh year, 
they couldn't go out and gather that in. They were supposed to leave it. And the Lord began to explain to them that this Sabbath for the land would still be a nourishment to the children of Israel along with their servants, their animals, uh, those that are traveling or visiting with them. Meaning they would have to live that year off the land from the previous year and everything that they had stored up from the sixth year and not go and grab anything the seventh year. And that, that would take a tremendous amount of faith because a, a year is a long time. Uh, it's like saying, hey, I'm not going to go grocery shopping for the next year. And uh, I just have to trust the Lord that the food I have saved up is going to feed me and my family. And I imagine, I imagine, <laughs> this is me, right? <laughs> I'm like, oh, I don't have to, I don't have to yeah. plant or, 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 you know, harvest for a year. That'd be kind of nice. And maybe at I'm first sure there's some other stuff to do. I know, right? Yeah, that's the thing. I'm sure there was other things keeping busy. But at the same time, you have to imagine, like, after a few months, right, maybe that, that cub, that stash of food you had is really starting to look smaller. That panic starts building. That's when that faith is really got to come into play and is really tested to, to keep you from going back to that planting and harvesting. But the Lord let them know that one year was not enough, that it wasn't just, you know, seven and done, but that they had to do this seven times. Six years of planning and reaping. And that's the one that's great thing about God is he promised that that sixth year would be a great and plentiful harvest. But then that year of Sabbath for the land, this would continue for 49 years. And I wonder if it was easier the first time or if it was easier by the time they made it to the seventh time. What do you think? Uh I would think that the first time is the hardest, right? Because this is this has never happened before. But then once you start getting to the third or the fourth or the fifth time, um, you know, you, you can recall back to those times that happened. And also, you can, you know, let's say you're 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 brand new, right? You're you're 20 years old, and this has been going on for 40 years, and uh, now you can also lean on the stories of others. Um, but if it's that seventh time too, you think. All right, this is the last time. <laughs> I could do this one more time, and we're good. So that's true, but the Lord said that the seventh year was a year-long Sabbath, and after that, the 49 years, then that following year was the 50th year, which was another Sabbath. So now you had basically two years in a row that you didn't plan or sow anything, and this year was considered to be a year of Jubilee, which everyone was supposed to go and visit their families and have a great celebration. This was a... a monumental feast and so i'm trying to picture my mom right in this situation she's essentially planning like a thanksgiving dinner for her family my dad's family right everybody uh but also knowing that it's in two years and you can't go grocery shopping for the next two years checking that expiration date. yeah right like uh no can't have this it's perishable um and that would be a bit stressful, but that would be the faith that it took to do this. Um, but also, it would be, you couldn't just worry about it, right? Because this was also a time to rejoice in that year and to see what God did seven times over. And then now, from the harvest of a single year, has supplied for two years in a row. And so to me, this is really the definition of living on faith. The Lord worked through his law that was given to his people to bring about this tremendous act of faith. And it wasn't 50 years and done. 
yeah. the clock started over again. So the law that God gave to Moses was perfect. The, the issue was it, it wouldn't make man perfect. In the New Testament, we see some exceptions that were taken to the Sabbath rule. In Matthew, the 12th chapter, and the 11th verse, and this is Jesus speaking, He said unto them, What man shall there be among you that shall have one sheep? And if it falleth into a pit on the Sabbath day, will he not lay hold on it and lift it out? How much then is a man better than a sheep? Wherefore is it lawful to do well on the Sabbath days? So basically, if, if an animal is in an emergency situation, you help the animal. Mm -hmm. I would imagine if, if a human's about to bleed out, yeah. you, you, you cover them up and you wrap them up with bandages and you take care of them. Yeah. Well, and similarly, circumcision was still performed on the Sabbath. So uh, John seven twenty one through 24 says, Jesus answered and said unto them, I have done one work, and ye all marvel. Moses therefore gave unto you circumcision, not because it is of Moses, but of the fathers. And ye on the Sabbath day circumcise a man. If a man on the Sabbath day receives circumcision, that the law of Moses should not be broken, are ye angry at me, because I have made a man every whit whole on the Sabbath day? Judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. So we also know that the priests had to do work in the temple. They had to fulfill their duties. They had to perform those things that were laid out in the law for them to do. And in doing so, they were actually violating the Sabbath rule, right? So in Matthew 12 and 5, it says, Or have you not read in the law how that on the Sabbath days the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? So in each one of these instances, Jesus was asking, Is it lawful to do something good on the Sabbath day? And Jesus was going to do good by healing somebody and ministering to somebody. And the Pharisees were upset by his actions, and they were completely missing what Jesus was trying to convey to them. And Jesus went on to say in Mark 2, 27 and 28, And he said unto them, The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. So man was created to work in the garden that God had prepared. He was also created to have a relationship with God. Now, at his fall, mankind was cursed to work harder and was separated from his relationship with God. Jesus came to fulfill the law, pay the price for man's sin, and restore the relationship between man and God. So therefore, Jesus is the Lord of rest, and this rest was made for, for man, for us. Now, we reckon, I recognize, I'm sure you recognize now that you're in the workforce, right? Well, you've been there for some time now. I bet. <laughs> uh, man cannot stop working after six days and then taking a day off of rest. We have to continue and continue to work hard to provide for ourselves, to provide for our families. Well, God did not continue his creative work past the sixth day, and he had a day of rest. He did not start this creative work again on the eighth day where man has to go back to work and continue to work hard. Therefore, we have to search for or realize that there has to be a greater meaning uh, here what Jesus was trying to teach the Pharisees and also for each and every of, uh, of us to learn. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so in uh, Jeremiah 31, uh, it says, 
Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break. Also, I was, although I was an husband unto them, saith the Lord. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. That writing of the law upon our hearts, it represents a transformation process. And that process, it's required to repair the separation between us and God. But then it also, it creates, as God said, a new agreement with him between him and us and i think it's important too that we have to have a greater understanding that god's blessing is within the rest mm. not within the day the day was the time that was set aside for us to focus upon god and it was and should be holy and sanctified in hebrews the fourth chapter verses 9 and 10 it says and there remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God for he that is entered into his rest he also has ceased from his own works as God did from his so then the question becomes what is the rest for the people of God what is that transformation what is that new agreement well in Isaiah 28 it says for precept must be upon precept Precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to his people. To whom he said, This is the rest wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. But the word of the Lord was unto them precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little, that they may go and fall backward and be broken and snared and taken. So essentially, it is every bit of the word of God being rightfully divided together. And this is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It is a spiritual rest, a spiritual refreshing for the people of God. So if the baptism of the Holy Ghost is the rest, then what work can we cease from? Work of sin. That would be the work of sin. The work of sin was brought into the world when man was disobedient to God. The ground was cursed and man was cursed to work harder. And our works that were mentioned in Hebrew 4 and 10 refer to the works of our sin. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So as we mentioned, Jesus Christ is the Lord of rest. And we learned from an earlier study, that is number one. Mm -hmm. The only Savior that Jesus is the only Savior. Uh, we cease from our works of sin when we rest in his spirit, when we are full of God's spirit. It's almost like I can see your notes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we are full of his spirit after receiving that baptism of the Holy Ghost. So you might be asking yourself, uh, how do we receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Well, Peter tells us that on the day of Pentecost, when the spirit was poured out for the first time in Acts 238. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So first, repent. Ask for forgiveness to change our way of thinking, to change our actions away from this sin and, and this 
desire to please only ourselves. Our desire itself begins to change from this selfish way of thinking to being service and to God. And our desire to please ourselves begins to shift to desiring to please God. Peter also explains here that the baptism by water is in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. This baptism is by being fully immersed in the water, which represents not only the cleaning away of the effects of sin, but is also a physical connection that we have to Jesus, his death, burial, and resurrection. Paul says in Romans 6, verse 3 and 4, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. And in Peter, in 1 Peter 3.21 says, The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ himself describes water baptism as a part of the process to fulfill righteousness in Matthew 3.15. And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it now to be so, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. And then he suffered him. This was Jesus requesting John the baptize, John the Baptist to baptize him. So Receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost is the full surrender of yourself, allowing Jesus to live within your heart. And the proof of being full of the Holy Ghost is speaking in tongues, which is the common sign among those whom the scriptures state are being filled with God's spirit. This is Jesus bringing the living word himself into our hearts. So in Acts 1 and 8, it says, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witness unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. So once filled from the Holy Ghost, we receive power from the Lord to cease from working in that sin. So, but the question then becomes, does this mean that we will never sin again? Wouldn't that be awesome? It'd be great. <laughs> Don't know why I did that. Because <laughs> we're bringing it all together. We're bringing it all together. But Paul it? speaks in Romans, uh, in the seventh chapter, and these are, again, some of my favorite scriptures. Mm -hmm. is uh, that when I would do good, evil is present with me. Mm -hmm. uh, there are times when I do that which I don't want to do, which is sin, uh, but God is merciful. In Titus, the third chapter and fifth verse, it says, Not by works of righteousness that we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. It's that asking Jesus for forgiveness and being renewed by his spirit and renewed in the Holy Ghost. It says in, in 1 John, uh, Jesus sa it says that if we confess our sins to Jesus, he is faithful to forgive us of our sins. And we're again, we're talking about a transformation process. We're talking about a, a growing process, right? The sin that so easily besets me at first will soon no longer have power over me as it once did. And then I, through God's spirit, will be able to have victory over it. And then on top of that, the Holy Ghost, it's also changing our outlook, like how we actually view life. So uh, Romans 12, two says, 
and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We're just hitting all the, the, the yeah. winning scriptures here. Right. Um, and so essentially what happens, our minds are renewed. So now we want to be in that perfect will of God. We want to yeah. partake of that his rest. So tying it all together. We have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, which is the new covenant, as we mentioned earlier in Jeremiah. The law, the commandments, being in our hearts, being written in our hearts, and the rest from works of sin, as we mentioned in Isaiah. And this is so important because the wages for the work of sin is death. And Jesus paid those wages by taking our sin upon himself and dying upon the cross so that we might have life, that we might find that rest within him. And in Matthew, Jesus says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We all desire to find that rest, that relief from the labors of this life when we will forever be in the presence of Jesus in heaven. In Romans 5, 19, it says, for as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. We are all right, we are all made right in the fulfillment of this commandment through Jesus Christ our Lord. Keeping the Sabbath is the blessing of the Holy Ghost. We thank you so much for tuning in with us tonight. Hopefully something is said has ministered to your heart on behalf of our senior pastor and the Reverend Paul G. Kiggins and the Master's House. We just ask that you would send us your prayer requests. If you have a special prayer request, send those to prayer at mastershouse.org. Send us a like. Let us know that you're enjoying these studies on the commandments as we continue next week. And we'll continue delving into these commandments. So, Corey, once again, if you would uh, take us to before the Lord in prayer, asking God to bring us to that rest so that we can forever be with him. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you, Master Lord, for this this time, Lord, these things, Lord, that you have have unveiled before us, O oh Lord, Lord, the, the gift of your rest, dear Jesus. And we just pray, O oh Lord, that you would let this sink into our hearts and our minds, O oh Lord, that we would, Lord, that we would make that change, Lord, make that transformation, Lord, that we would yearn for your rest, Lord, that we would reach out and that we would find it, Lord. And for all those that, that hear this and view this, Lord, if they know not that rest, pray, Lord, that they would begin to reach out, Lord, they begin to hunger for it and that they would find it in you, dear Jesus. We just thank you, Lord, for all that you've done, O oh Lord, and all you continue to do. Pray, Lord, a special blessing upon our shepherd, Lord, and his family this night. Just pray, Lord, that you would gather us all into your house, O oh Lord, the next service. And we just thank you. We praise you. We lift you up this night. In your most precious and holy name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Good night.